morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us uh, here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, we're just excited about this morning and uh, glad that you could join us this morning online. I'm uh, going to be starting a brand new series this morning, uh, talking, uh, uh, I've entitled this, The Garden Restored. The Garden Restored, and I'll explain that a little more in, in just a few moments. Uh, I don't have a lot of announcements, but not, and just, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we do have, we will have a Bible study this, this afternoon at 6 o'clock. Uh, that will start at the same time, uh, will be on Facebook just like you are right now. And uh, we'll be studying Andrew Womack's books, uh, Don't Let Me God. And uh, we also have free Bible classes that we offer through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Again, that's lighthousediscipleship.org. And so we have free Bible classes. We're going to have Bible study tonight. And then we have our Sunday morning message that we have this morning. Uh, if you ever go to our live stream page, even though we don't live stream directly to our website because we don't have the proper technology right now, we do uh, have, always have a worship playlist uh, listed there. Uh, the whole idea of that is that we would have a worship playlist along with the live stream teaching. So, uh, so anyway, uh, if you go to our live stream page, you can find that as well. Anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump into our message this morning at lighthousediscipleship.org. And then, you know, let me just make mention of this. We don't make mention of this probably enough, and this is to my fault. Uh, but we do, uh, we are a church, we are a ministry, and with the nature of a few things happening over the last uh, few weeks, we, financially, we have taken a little bit of a, uh, a struggle, and so we do, uh, we do uh, have, we are the 501c3, we are a church, and so if you feel free to supporting our, our ministry, we would appreciate that, uh, all tax offerings are tax deductible, just go to our give page on our website at lighthouseexecution.org, and you can and support us in that way as well. If you have any prayer requests, if you have any things that we can help you with, uh, please reach out to us in that way as well. Alright, well without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning, entitled, <coughs> excuse me, The Garden Restored. The Garden Restored. Now we know the story of the garden, and uh, I just, uh, I'm going to go to Genesis here in just a moment and give a little bit of a uh, synopsis of, of, of the garden. But when God created the heavens and the earth, the very first relationship God established was his own relationship with mankind, with Adam, and then also with Eve. But, uh, you know, a lot of times I've heard through the years that the first relationship God established was, <coughs> was marriage. And I, I agree that God did establish that. And right off the bat, God created man and woman and said that it would be one. At the same point in time, that's the second relationship God established. The best, rela the best way I can uh, help my wife and be a good husband to my, my wife is being in a right relationship with God. And that's the number one, as a pastor, as a minister, as an employer, or an employee, as anything I do, the best thing for me to do in this life, to be effective spiritually, to be respectful, yeah, to be effective in any way, shape, or form, is to have my own relationship with God. Jesus said, well, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus didn't even do anything without his own relationship with his Father. Who are we to think that we can do otherwise? So, uh, we're talking about the garden restored. You know, and we're going to get into some of this very uh, deep. This goes really into my messages on righteousness. Because Adam and Eve, before the fall, had a, the most perfect relationship with God. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no lack. There was no marriage problems. There was no strife. There was no war. There was nothing, uh, and you know, and when he ha when he prayed, when he spent time with the Father, he didn't have a big <coughs> prayer list. Why? Because there wasn't a lot to be praying about. He just had a relationship with God. And when we teach on prayer, at its core, uh, we, prayer is nothing short than a relationship with God. Yes, we can ask things. Yes, we can pray for things. Yes, we can... Uh, 
uh, make supplication or prayer requests be made known to God. And we encourage that. But if that's all prayer is, if that's all we do is, is asking stuff, I mean, what kind of relationship would that be if it was a friendship or a marriage and all you did, all it was was one-sided. What can I get? What can I get? This is what I need. You know, we need to, in any relationship, there, there, there is this give and take. There is putting into the relationship and whatnot. But at its core, prayer is nothing short of a relationship with God. You know, when I pray, I, I, through, the, through the years I've heard of different people when they pray, they envision either they're in the throne room of God or, or they're in the prayer closet with God, however that may look. Uh, some people I've known have gone to an orchard to pray every morning or whatever the case, and that's because that was the scenery that they had uh, privy to. But at the same point in time, when I pray, and I can't say this is every time, because that's not the case, but some of the most intimate times I've had with the Lord. Some of the, the, the most powerful, intimate, uh, relational times I've had with the Lord, not just in times of need, but also, uh, and these, these times have also become, through the years, very uh, pivotal times in my life. And I think I don't think they were just pivotal by accident. I believe they were uh, life-changing because of the time and, uh, and quality of time I was spending time with the Lord. But when I spend time with the Lord and I have these private and intimate times with God, I picture myself walking with God like Adam and Eve did, specifically Adam, in the cool of the day, walking with Him, talking with Him, hanging out with God, my Abba. That's how I picture it. And that's very intimate for me. Um, Yes, he is a king, my king, and I can picture him as my throne room. But I, I picture <coughs> having a friendship, having a relationship with God. He's my master. He's my king. He's my daddy. I, I submit to him. But I also have a relationship with him. And in that relationship, I can also ask. I can also uh, make mention of some things. But usually I find when I'm in that intimate time with God, I don't find myself asking a lot because... He's already touched base on the things I'm already that are different in my heart. He already knows. We just, you know, he, he's already, and sometimes he puts stuff in my heart, my visions and dreams and desires and, and uh, even solutions to some of the things that I'm, I'm going through. And so my heart, and actually one of the reasons I wanted to go into ministry was not just so much so I can preach and teach and have a ministry, have a website and my things of that nature. My heart was to have such a relationship with God. So I can go and minister to people so that they too can have such an intimate relationship with God. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but that's the heartbeat of this message. That's the heartbeat of everything we're doing. It's not just so I can fulfill my calling, but, my, but it is fulfilling my calling in trying to encourage you, trying to lead you to your own personal relationship with God. That's my heart. That's the heart behind this ministry. Uh, because I can't be there all the time. Your spouse can't be there all the time. Other people can't be there all the time, but God can. And, uh, and, and, and out of that relationship should flow every other relationship in its context, whether it be marriage, a uh, parent-child relationship, an employer-employee relationship, a friendship, whatever the case may be, relatives, even enemies. Uh, sometimes we don't want those relationships, but sometimes those relationships are forced upon us. And we need to know how to respond to enemies. We need to know how to uh, interact with persecution and different things. And, so, and all that comes out of our own relationship with God. Uh, uh, before we go to Genesis, let's go real quick to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is my favorite verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, go to verse 21, the last uh, verse in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Sorry, I just 
sometimes see my come up on the screen, but it, so far uh, it's not connected. Turn this off for today. Okay. So we don't have a discussion. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and it says this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ in him, or in Christ Jesus. This is my favorite verse because Adam. Although he had the best relationship with God any player has ever had before the cross. Because there was no sin. And he was in right relationship with God. Right relationship with God is a definition of what righteousness is. He was in right relationship with God. That's how God made him. God made him in his own image. God, and God said it was very good. And I, I will get into some of that in just a few moments. But Adam through sin ruined everything. Actually, go with me to another scripture real quick. Uh, I want to use these two simultaneously. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 17. It says, For by the one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Again, for the, by one man's offense, death reign through the one, much more, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, right relationship with God, will reign <coughs> excuse me, in life through the one, Jesus Christ. God created us to reign in Him. But Adam, through sin, destroyed our relationship with God, where we became, even by nature, alienated from the life of God. There's other scriptures that can bring out, and we'll bring out those later on in our, in our, in our teaching, in our series. But we were so separated from God. We couldn't have a relationship with God. When, man, when Adam fell, when Adam sinned, when man sinned, God ousted him from the garden where he couldn't have access to the tree of life. And he put two cherubim and a flaming sword as he ousted them from the garden, as he expelled them from the garden, so they did not come in and... and see, man... God did not want man to live eternally in a sin nature. It was his mercy. It was his grace. He did not want to... He, man had partaken from the tree, not the tree of good and evil, but he did not want them to mix the two trees together and continue to partake of the tree of life in a fallen state. If man had partaken of the tree of life in a fallen state, you and I could not be redeemed. You and I could not receive salvation. It was God's mercy and God's grace so that man did not remain in a fallen state from the tree of life. And we're going to be talking about the tree of life uh, later in our study. We'll mention some things this morning if we get a chance to. But man was, uh, man was relationship with God was destroyed. So much, uh, and we'll get to this, I know I haven't gotten to the scriptures yet, but God put these cherubim that blocked the access to, I don't know why I picture it this way, but it's just a, a cherubim that blocked access to the, the, the tree of life, to the garden. When God instructed man to build a tabernacle through the law, there, there was different aspects to the tabernacle. We have the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, the mercy seat. <coughs> we have the holy place, where the showbread was, and, 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 and other instruments were. And then we have the outer court where the, the brazen altar and the, the brazen labor were and whatnot. But 
There was a there was a, a veil, and it was thick, it was tall, that separated the holy place where man could go into from the holy of holies where man could not go into. There was a separation in a sense between man and God. But when Jesus died on the cross, it says in Matthew that God ripped that tent from top to bottom and gave man full access to that. Did you also know that on that veil that separated from the holy place to the holy of holies, there was these two cherubim that were embroidered on the veil. God had mankind, had his man, embroider cherubim on the veil that separated the holy of holies from the holy place. And when Jesus died, that, that veil, that cherubim veil, was rent from top to bottom, giving man free access to the tree of life, once again, which is Jesus, and having full access to a relationship with God. Hebrews says that we can come boldly to his throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. God restored a rightful relationship with him because he who knew no sin became sin, that we could become, that we could be born of the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus. It also says what we read, through the death reigned through the woman, Adam. But how much more those of us who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We're been destined to reign. Adam put us in a position where we were separated from God, where we were alienated from God. We couldn't have a relationship with God. And God so loved the world that he wanted to reconcile his relationship with us through Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm making sense so far. I'm just in a very basic introduction. We're going to go to a lot where they're going to share it a lot more deeply. But my heart behind this message is that you would know that you would know that you are righteous. That God has restored a relationship with you. God has restored your righteousness. And there's also a third message, a third uh, topic I want to get into is that there's a rest. There's a position of rest and promise that God has restored to us that we can enter in. God, ultimately, even though I gave everything I just said, my most intimate time with God is spending time with Him and in my own mind, in my own imaginative mind, I'm imagining myself walking with God in the cool of the evening, just like Adam did before the fall. In my heart, in my prayer, that God, I would minister to God, He would minister to me, and I would be whole, I would be whole in every which way, so that I can minister to you, so that I can help you and equip you to lead you to your own personal relationship with God, where you're not dependent on me, or any other pastor, man or woman, but you have your own relationship with God. There's, there's a point for us to be in fellowship. There's a point for us to be one as He and the Father are one. And we'll get into some of that later and we, we teach on that. But at its core, at the foundation of everything, you need to have your own personal relationship with God. I need to have my own personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not just talking about receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and that's it. Yes, I'm talking about that. That's the starting point. That's, you can't have a relationship with God without that. It starts there. You need to have a personal relationship with it. Or you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But church, brother, that's the beginning. That's only the beginning. That's the, the most crucial part. Amen. That is where it starts. You can't ain't have anything else without that. But that relationship, that seed, is supposed to grow. It's supposed to mature. And your relationship with God should grow sweeter and sweeter, richer and richer, deeper and deeper. Where you and God, you are just one. That no matter what happens in the earth in these last days, no matter what happens in life, you have a relationship with God. That's important. Because... Uh, not just whether everything is bad or whether everything is good, you need to have a relationship with God. 
You can't be successful and you can't be protected out of any other relationship. If you need direction, if you need wisdom, if you need healing, if you need provision, whatever you need is in your relationship with God. It's in that garden. It's in, the, it's in that secret place. There's another aspect of this message that I, <coughs> I want to get to is some of us have had a relationship with God, but for whatever reason, all we see in our life is ruins. Or maybe just, not just in our relationship with God, but in our, just our life. And I'm here to speak a message, not just this morning, but in the next few days, or a few weeks, is that God wants to restore his relationship with you. God wants to restore whatever the enemy, the canker worm, has destroyed. God wants to restore the years that have been lost. God wants to restore whatever has been lost. God is in the restoring business. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture how God restores. When he restores, he restores double. He always restores double. If there was shame, he says, I'll give you double honor. God restores double. And I can give you several scriptures that God wants to restore your life in areas of your life that are just a full of ruins, just like the Garden of Eden. It specifically says that. God wants to restore it. Just like the garden. The garden of Eden, in my own mind, is the most beautiful place. It's the most beautiful place. You know, Revelation paints a picture of, of, of heaven being with gold and all these precious gems. And I know for a lot of people, and like me, that's beautiful. I, I don't care about gems and all that stuff. Uh, I know that's going to be beautiful, and I'm not trying to take away from Scripture. I just have my own appetites. You know, I, when I see all these gems and stuff, and don't take offense to this, I just see a bunch of rocks. And uh, yeah, they might be beautiful rocks. And yes, they might be very expensive rocks. Uh, but uh, uh, they're just rocks to me. And, uh, and most people would take offense to that. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. I just, but when I think of the Garden of Eden, you know, uh, the river that runs through and, and, and walking with God, to me, okay, I, yeah, I want that. I want that. So anyway. Whatever that's worth, that's just freebie, that's just me, Davidology, and what makes what, uh, what, uh, anyway, gets my bow blow, anyway. So let's, let's go to some scriptures this morning. Let's go ahead and go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Hopefully I'm making sense. You know, one thing about live streaming, I can't see your head nod, or I can't see your smile or your frown or, or whatnot, so I'm just trusting um, sometimes that can be good, sometimes that might not be so good. And so uh, I'm just going to go with what God has in my heart. Uh, do you notice I don't have notes, and that, that's purposeful. Uh, I'm just speaking from my heart. Uh, thank you, God, has put in my heart. Actually, I want to back up real quick to uh, chapter 1, Genesis 1. Let's, let's back it all the way up to verse 26. I just feel like i got to get some context here. It's just so rich. I'm not going to expand on everything we're going to read here. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Notice that there's no other genders there, Okay. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree which fruit yields seed to you, and it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So that in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God made everything very good. God did not make darkness. God did not make evil. God did not make sickness. God did not make disease. God did not make anything that was not very good. If it's not very good, it's not from God. I want to say that again. If it's not very good, it's not from God. That's not what God created. 
Man has made a mess of things. And God can restore what man has destroyed. And we're, thank God we're going to eventually get a new heaven and a new earth that hasn't been destroyed by mankind. That's not my main point, but that's just a little side note, okay? Verse chapter 2. <coughs> Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. They were finished. God's not creating new things. The only thing we find out later in Scripture that God's created new is that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We're not going to see that later until 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is in the context of what I just read a minute ago. We'll get there. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, and from all of his work which he had done, and then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. God rested from all his work. Now, I believe in the Sabbath in the sense that God has created uh, the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. And we'll spend some time talking about this a little bit later in our series about this rest, about the Sabbath rest. But I just want to make a little side point here. God rested on the seventh day. And he said in verse 1 that it was finished. It was complete. And so, my question to people who think that it's just about the seventh day that's holy. And yes, he did sanctify that day. And yes, there's a day to remember that and to celebrate that and to, to give thanks to that. But my question is, what did he do on the eighth day? What did he do on the ninth day? What did he do on the hundredth day? What did he do in the, the day of 1,245? Did he go back to work? Did he keep creating things? No. Rest was not just a day. Rest was a lifestyle. And the, the, the book of Hebrews talks about how there was a rest for the people of God. And there's a rest that we can enter. There's a Sabbath rest that we <coughs> lost because of the fall. But there's a rest that we can go back into because of Jesus Christ. If you, know, if you read the gospel letters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find that Jesus healed people mainly on the Sabbath, the day of rest. There was something that Jesus was accomplishing, that rest, uh, sickness, is not a form of rest, but healing is. Wholeness is. Your life that's falling apart is not rest, but there is a rest. And there is a, a jubilee that we should be experiencing. We're going to be talking about jubilee in this series. But there is a rest. There is a restoration. There is a returning to the garden. There is a returning to everything back to its original condition. By the oracle of God. By the command of God. By the word of God. By the spirit of God that is in us. There's God, there's a, there's, a, there's a garden. There's a relationship. There's an atmosphere, there's a condition that is to be restored. And restored better than it even was before. Because our relationship with God through Christ Jesus should be better than what Adam ever lost in the beginning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that. And, okay, I'll, 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 come, I'll build on that a little bit later. But God, Christ has restored everything Adam has lost, and even better than that. We can have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Okay, we'll get into a little bit of that later. Okay. Let's pick it up here, though. Uh, again, we're in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. And this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and the breath, and breathed, excuse me. <coughs> and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man who, the man who he had formed. And out of the ground of the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life which was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river hands. I'm going to skip down and I'm going to go to these four rivers. So we'll pick up verse 15. Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep him. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So we're not going to go into all that right now. It's not that it's not important, it's just not relevant to what I want to get to. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field, of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it. Nor should you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing God good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of this fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig tree leaves together, and made themselves covers. Verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord. <coughs> Upon the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? God created man to have a relationship. Even when he fell, even when he sinned, God never hid from God. God never hid from man. Man hid from God. Man, God, and, and, and uh, God still came to visit Adam, to walk with him in the cool of the day, and was looking for man. And um, there's a lot here that I just read, and a lot of I could go on a lot of rabbit trails with a lot of this that are all very powerful messages. But I'm trying to paint a picture of God created man to have a relationship. God created man in His own image. God created man in his own likeness. He created, he, you know, when you think of it, God didn't create man first and then everything else last. I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad. He didn't create man without an earth to put man on. He didn't create man before he created the earth where man just had to swim for one whole day. He didn't create man on an earth that didn't have vegetation and food. He didn't create man on anything that didn't have animals and, and covering and shelter and whatnot. God created the man, God created the heavens and the earth. He made it perfect. He said it was very good, and he created man. God created man on a finished, completed earth, not a, on an incomplete earth. That was the goodness of God. And God has recreated us. In Christ Jesus, through a perfect relationship with Him. Everything you need. You know, I want to do a series, hopefully this evening this year, on the names of God. How He is our El Shaddai. He is our provider. He is our banner. He is our righteousness. He, and knowing the names of God, knowing the nature of God. 
Everything we need, everything we need in life is found in Jesus Christ, our King, our God, and our relationship with Him. Everything we need is in Him. Anything we need is not outside of Him. And man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <coughs> All Adam and Eve had to do was to listen to God and trust Him. But instead, Eve was tempted to believe a talking snake instead of the living God. Adam also gave heed to his wife, who, and all this, I'm not going to, to, to uh, play any games with uh, she fell first or whatnot. Mankind fell. Mankind sinned. And as we read already from Romans 5, 17, that because even though death reigned to the one, Adam who fell, who transgressed, who, who rebelled against God's word, and brought us all into a sin nature, how much more those of us who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life on this same planet that Adam had. Through Jesus Christ. The focus is not on what Adam did and messed everything up. The focus is on what Jesus did and made everything right. We lost through Adam a garden relationship. We lost through Adam the, 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 the privilege to walk with him in the cool of the day. We lost with, through Adam the, the, the privilege to have a uh, the go comes to the tree of life at any time we need it. But we have found, we have had restored to us a right relationship with God. We have restored to us a, a, a righteousness, a rest. We have been restored to us a, a tree of life, an experience where the river of God flows from Eden into the garden and waters all the other nations. God has restored unto us everything we need through relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can walk with God through the cool of the day, receive anything that we need in our time of need because of Jesus, because of our relationship with God. No matter how bad it's gotten because of Adam, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign, shall reign, shall not could reign, not may reign, not could not, not, not are supposed to reign, but shall reign through life, through Jesus Christ. We can't omit the last part. We reign in life because of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. The key is Christ Jesus. You take Christ <coughs> Jesus out of the equation, there's no righteousness. There's no tree of life. There's none of that. Go with me real quick to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. And we'll spend a little more time on this in the weeks go on. But in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it, it writes, The fruit of the righteousness Actually, let me, uh, real quick, bear with me. Let me toggle to the King James. I want to read this in the King James Version. But Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of the, of, excuse me, sorry, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he that with souls is wise. The fruit of the same fruit that we receive from righteousness. The same fruit that we receive from a right relationship with God is a tree of life. And he that wins souls, he that leads people to the same tree of life 
is a very wise person. I like that. I, I, I want to say this again. This is very key. The same fruit that we receive from righteousness, a right relationship with God, is the tree of life. And those who lead people to this tree of life, to this right relationship with God, is a very wise person. That's key. That's what we're trying to do in this ministry. That's what we try to do in every Bible class we offer, every Bible study we do, every pastoral relationship we connect with. We are trying to lead people to a right relationship with God so they can experience the fruit of righteousness, the tree of life. We're not just trying to be wise so we can pat ourselves on the shoulders. We want to see lives transformed by the relationship with God. See, they're not going to be transformed by me, by Dave Ember Ministries, Lighthouse Disciples. They're going to be trained by, they're going to be transformed by Jesus, by the renewing of their mind of who they are in Christ Jesus. I want to lead people to the tree of life. I want to lead people to the fruit of righteousness so that they can experience, they can know and they can experience the tree of life, and the fruit of that righteousness in every area of their life. Go with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. And we'll pick it up in verse 33. Ezekiel Chapter 36, and we'll pick it up in verse 33. And this is, this is really the, one of the main key scriptures that has really springboarded this whole message in my heart. But there's many supporting ones that I will be giving, speaking towards as we get a little deeper into our study. But it says, Thus says the Lord God, In the day that I shall have, let me go back to the New King James, excuse me, I'm in the I don't want to sound King Jamesy here. Again, Ezekiel 36, beginning verse 33, says, Thus says the Lord your God, Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all of your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the rooms shall be rebuilt. I want to just pause here for a moment. I want to read further. He says, In the day that I cleanse you from all of your iniquities, not just some. I will enable also <coughs> I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the rooms shall be rebuilt. When did God cleanse us? Let's talk new this is Old Testament, but when's New Testament? When did God cleanse us from our iniquities? That was through Jesus Christ. He Separated our, our sins as far as the east is from the west. And he says he will also not just cleanse us from our iniquities, but he says that we shall, he will also enable us to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. Verse 34, the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. You know what I get a picture of that? Those who pass by are not going to see a desolate land, but they are going to see a land that is living, that is being restored, that is being rebuilt. And so they, they shall say, verse 35, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted desolate and roofed cities are now fortified and inhabited. God is going to restore. I'm going to, I want to piggyback on this in just a moment, but you might look 
at your life and it's just a full of rooms because of the canker one, the locusts and everything the enemy has stolen through sin. But God said he is going to restore it. Not just for you to see, but all who pass by is going to see your life as a testimony, as a witness that this was once a desolate land, but now it's like the Garden of Eden. God wants to not only restore your relationship with God, but because you have a relationship with God, and His river is flowing into this Garden of Eden, this tree of life when, that is in the midst of the garden, I should have gone to Revelation 22, verse 1, because this tree of life is in the midst of the garden. It's in the midst of, 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 the, of the tree. The tree of life is in the midst of all of this, and its leaves are green and it's for the healing of the nations. But your life is being to be such a testimony of restoration that all who pass by is going to notice. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Verse 36, and then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and my planted was, and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do If that doesn't get your fire going, your food, your wood is wet. The God wants to light your fire. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what got you in this place. Maybe you didn't do anything. This has been done to you. And I don't care what has been done. I don't care if the desolate has become because of sin or sickness or, or anything. that. But it's not... Whether it came from sin or sickness or something else, it's not something of God. Because God... The enemy is out to kill, still destroy. But God said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. If it kills, if it distills, if it destroys, it's not God. Do I need to say that again? If it kills, if it distills or destroys, it's not God. But God has come that you may have life and may have it more abundantly. Go with me real quick to the book of Joel. Now, I know Joel may be a little harder to find, but you're in Ezekiel, so just go three books to the right. You'll pass Daniel, Hosea, and then Joel. Daniel, Hosea, and then Joel. If you're following me, you're in Ezekiel. Just go three more books to the right. Go with me to uh, Joel. Chapter 2. And excuse me, wait a second, I hit the wrong button on my iPad. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. And he says, So I will, God is saying, I will restore the years the swarming locusts, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. Okay, and we'll come back to some of that. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dwelt, want, dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. And then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and there is no other, and my people shall never be put to shame. I don't care whatever shame you might have experienced, but God says you shall not be put to shame. There will be another scripture we'll eventually get to, not today, but it's in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7, and it says instead of shame, you shall have double honor. But it, here in Joel, now what was going on if Joel didn't? Now, this is Old Testament. And there was judgment. There was judgment taking place in Israel because of sin. This is Old Testament. New Testament, we don't deal with it this way. God doesn't deal with us this way. Why? Because he's already put all of our judgment on Jesus. All, it says, he who knew their sin became sin. All of our sin 
past, present, and future was put on Jesus. Now, some people will say, but Dave, God didn't put all our future sins. It can't happen yet. Well, you should, you, you hope, I hope that he put all our future sins on Jesus. Because when Jesus died on your cross, you weren't even born yet. All of your sins were futuristic in that sense. That makes, I hope that makes sense because uh, if, if, if he didn't put your, his, your, the future sins on, then you weren't even born yet, then none of your sins are planned. But you, he, he, he who knew no sin became sin. And what? And to, to, you might become the righteous God in Christ Jesus. What happened to Jesus? He was crucified. He crucified your sins. He has translated how the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, uh, of, dark, uh, kingdom of his dear son. He says in Romans chapter 6 that we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and the lives of God in Christ Jesus. We were crucified with Christ. We're buried with Christ in baptism. And we've been raised together with Christ in the name of Christ and His resurrection. We died with Christ, but we've also been raised with Christ. We're no longer in sin. We are in Christ. We're no longer in Adam. You can only be either, you're either in Adam or you're in the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. There's only two, there's only two natures. There's only two prototypes. Either you are a new creation in Christ Jesus are you still in Adam? We need to go back to 2 Corinthians 5. If we have time before we're done here, we will. But, but I want to paint a picture in New Testament language. I want to take this Joel to New Testament language. Christ has become our sin. But how many of you know that sin has still done damage? And when we were in sin, or if we are still sinning, because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 that if you are sowed to the flesh, out of the flesh you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit you will reap everlasting life. We can be in Christ and still sow to the flesh. You know, I had a conversation with someone a few years ago who said, he doesn't sin anymore. I said, you're a liar. <laughs> he didn't like that so much. And <laughs> It was kind of a heated conversation because of the way he started it. But John says, 1 John says that if anyone says he has without sin, he is a liar. But the truth is not with him. Anyway, there's some other things we'll get in, hopefully get into a little bit later. But I want to get back to Joel. Joel says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the the consuming locust, the chewing locust. I don't know a lot about locusts, but I know there's different classifications about them. They, there are different intensities. I mean, there's, there's, there, I mean, there's different kinds of locusts. There's those that fly and those that don't fly. But when you read this, you. When you read this about the locusts, these locusts have devoured everything. I've heard of stories. I've heard of farming communities, even in a little house in the prairie. I think there was there's a scene or whatnot, and there's there's different times where these locusts they just devoured the crops. There was different kinds of locusts. There was different intensities to that locust. And these locusts swarmed, and they just devoured everything. When I get a picture, and sometimes I've seen this in my own life, it just, whether it was because of my sin or because of someone else's sin, I've seen that locusts just come and devour everything in their lives. You know, Andrew Womack, uh, on his website, and through his ministry, he has different life journeys, testimonies. Some of them are healing journeys, some of them are destiny stories of how, how they're, but so I love some of the, de the destiny stories. Their lives were just in shambles. Because of sin. Or because of different things that happen in life. And yet God has restored everything the enemy stole and killed and destroyed. Whether it be through sin or sickness, disease, or whatever the case may be. Some people have their lives have been destroyed because of abuse. Rape and different horrible, horrible things. But they have become a victim. And as wrong and as ugly and as horrific as it's been, 
and I'm not even using the right words to describe it. But it's been horrible. Yet, as horrible as something has, may have, have happened to us, we cannot live the remainder of our life as a victim. We need to be healed. We need to see restoration. All the emotional and spiritual trauma we have gone through, and even physical trauma we have gone through, that is wrong, wrong, evil more than wrong. We need a God that heals us so that we are not scarred the rest of our lives from living a normal life that God has destined for us in Christ Jesus. We can't go the rest of our life so scarred, so handicapped, so devastated, so ruined that God can't restore what the canker worm, what the locusts, what these different things have stolen and eaten and devoured out of our lives. Some people, because of what has happened to them, and it's not their fault. There's some people that have been victimized, have been abused, have been raped, have been uh, a spouse abuse, whatever the case may be. They think it's their fault. It's not their fault. But they're a victim nonetheless. Their life has been ruined nonetheless. There's some people that have been so persecuted, been so because of race and different things, are, and it's going on all over. There's some people that uh, there's things that are going on in our world that people are losing things, and it's not their fault. There's evil going on in the world. But at the same point in time, as much as it's not their fault, I am here to, I'm not here to magnify the sin and, 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 and the thing that the God did. I'm here to magnify Jesus. I'm here to magnify, no matter what has happened to you, what has been, <coughs> because if you're, some of you are listening, you might be listening today, it is your fault. In the sense of, because of the sin, because of, the, the drugs or the pornography or the affair or, or the, the debauchery that you got involved in, you have ruined your life, in a sense, so to speak, to sin. But whether it's your fault or someone else's fault or society's fault, I'm here to say God is in the restoring business. And if you've lost a relationship with God, you don't have a relationship with God, <coughs> I'm here to say that Everything that you need to be restored in your life, God says He will restore it to you. But at its core, even if you get, even if you have your your sanity restored, even if you have your finances restored, your health restored, if you don't get your relationship with God restored, none of that, in one sense, means anything. You know, we've had a lot of people come to us through ministry. They have their prayer list. We see, and we pray with them. We minister to them. We see their lives restored in so many different ways. And then we don't see them anymore. It's not so much that we're hurt because we lost their friendship or whatever the case. But I'm not. But some of these people, they went back to drugs. They went back to some of the. They went back to their own vomit, so to speak. And uh, it's not that we just didn't see them anymore. But their, their relationship with God is not where it should be. I'm saying a lot of different things, and I, I want to get back to my, my point in this message. My point in this message, I score, is I want you to experience an intimate relationship with God walking in the cool of the day like Adam did. But there's also some other points I'm trying to make in this message, and one of those is that if your life is a full of runes, whether it's because of your fault or someone else's fault, I'm here to tell you today that God wants to restore what's been destroyed. He wants to be says he, he says that he wants to restore that you can eat plenty and be satisfied. He wants to restore you so you have no more shame. He wants to restore you so that other people can see that your life that was once desolate is now like the garden. Or some people it might be again, some people it might be for the first time. Am I making sense? <coughs> God wants to restore. So there's many different things I'm going to be teaching in this, this series. But here, 
according to what we just read from Proverbs a few minutes ago, I'm here to lead you to the tree of life, Jesus Christ, so you can receive this full restoration and you can receive the full fruit of righteousness. Because to me, according to Scripture, that is the wisest thing I can do. That is the best way I can help you. And in one sense, that's the only way I can help you, is to lead you to the tree of life where you can receive your restoration and you can receive not only that but the bounty of everything God has provided for you in Christ Jesus that's what we're trying to lead and it all comes from that seed it all comes from that relationship but no matter how ruined it seems Jesus is a restoring business whether it's your fault or someone else's fault are there situations that you can't control? You are not dependent on man. You are not dependent on society. You are dependent on Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. He's your Savior. He's your Healer. He's your Restorer. He's your Banner. He's your Righteousness. He is your God. He is your Jubilee. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the study. Hopefully I'm making sense. This is many ways, just introduction of some thoughts I want to get into as we go forward in this study. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for Jesus Christ. And Lord, I don't know how exactly minister to each person and what they're going through, but Lord, I just thank you that you are the tree of life. You are their righteousness and you are their hope and you are their salvation. And you are in the restoring make what has been a mess to make it so that people will pass by and say this is was a desolate but now it's the tree of God they want to say they want, I want people to pass by my life and by the life of those who are hearing my voice and say this is God this is God this is God I can't explain it but this is God because some miracles you can't explain but Lord I just thank you for your grace I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your life that makes everything that we're trying to teach here possible. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we talk about Don't Limit.